Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, where each episode we finish that title with a new profession or industry, bringing you an experienced professional to give us the ins and outs of the job. For this episode, I want to be a family counselor as we take a look into this specific discipline and what it all entails. To give us the inside scoop, we have Dr. Barry Ginsberg on the show. Dr. Ginsberg is the director of the Center of Relationship Enhancement and also of Ginsberg Associates, which is a child and family clinical practice. Dr. Ginsberg, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Tim. I'm really happy to be here, and I hope that the people who are listening will benefit from our conversation. I'm sure they will, and uh, you know, we like to cover pretty much all of our bases when we get into these, and we'll, of course, get into the details in just a moment. But first, I briefly introduced you there. If you could fill our listeners in a little bit on where you're coming from and your professional background. Oh, well, I, as you said, I'm the director of a, uh, of a child and family um, outpatient private practice, essentially. And I also have a training component, which I train professionals and also do a lot of parent education in my local community. I have uh, more than 40 years' experience in doing this, uh, working with children, couples, and families, and all kinds of relationships. My emphasis is on relationships. I'm married. I've been married for for over uh, 51 years. I have three children and four grandchildren. My grandchildren, two of my grandchildren are in college already. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm kind of an old guy here. (laughs) Experienced, mature. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, of course, you have the experience we talked about that we're looking into, the idea of being a family counselor, and uh, you have experience with family as well, as uh, as you informed us there. The first question that always comes to mind with a lot of these shows that we have is to define the role that you're in. So for yourself, how do you define what the role truly is of a family counselor? Well, I, I have a specific particular attitude towards that. Uh, I see myself as helping um, people in relationships with each other have a better relationship, better communication, a more quality relationship, and a more secure relationship. And that can extend anywhere from uh, a parent-child relationship, couple relationship, whole families, people who uh, want to come in about their relationship, and uh, as well as uh, various organizations as well, within organizations as well. But it's all focused around one's relationship with others. Sure. What was it that really attracted you to this? Was this something you had always had a thought of? Did something maybe spur you on a little bit? I mean, take us through that, that early part of your, I guess, figuring out what you wanted to do. Well, I'd I, I like, I like to start out with uh, my being Jewish, and there, there's been a lot of emphasis on the importance of family life uh, and uh, the intergenerational history of uh, the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always had that in my background, but I didn't start out uh, with my interest in family so much. I started out really uh, my interest in children and uh, children's development. Okay. And of course, that when you start working with children, you of course have to involve uh, the rest of the family as well. And that kind of got me into the the issue of relationships. Now, when I did my first period of studying, I studied mostly for around the individual. But uh, when I got into my doctoral program and they focused more about uh, family life, that's when I got hooked. Okay. And I, just, I realized that the values that are involved in uh, the profession of family counseling were inherent values that I've held over my lifetime. Well, it's very interesting that you had that mentality a little bit just from your personal life and you were able to parlay that into your career and, and something I imagine you have enjoyed all, all these number of years as well. Oh, very much. I can't think of a, another approach, another counseling approach, certainly, and another kind of career, uh, although this wasn't my first career, 
that uh, you uh, have so can have so much satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And there's so many areas in which you can apply this when you talk about relationships. It doesn't always have to be just in a therapeutic setting. Sure, uh, it can be in all kinds of settings. No, that's a great point. And in terms of the opportunities that would be presented to people if they are interested in, in anything in this area, really. For yourself, then, what was the educational background like? Uh, take us through a little bit of what that path might be if individuals are interested in pursuing a career like yours. Okay, now I didn't come through a normal route, so that's fine. I'm going to identify that, and not only that, but I also think for the listeners, um, it might be uh, motivating to know that there uh, may not be a special way you do this, but you just keep pursuing it and you get there. Right. <laughs> so. So, so my first profession, I was a pharmacist, and I worked in the Bronx as a pharmacist until I uh, I met my wife, uh, and uh, then I began to pursue what was always my interest, uh, uh, psychology or psychiatry is what I had, I had thought of. Um, and uh, once I got married, she encouraged me to kind of pursue that. Mm-hmm. So I started as a pharmacist in the Bronx, and then when I uh, married, I became a school teacher as well as continue to practice pharmacy. Oh, wow. And I uh, went on to graduate school um, in uh, school psychology because I was interested in children. So um, I, I did that. And in 1969, I got my master's degree in school psychology, uh, but there were no jobs available in the New York City public schools. I'd been teaching mm-hmm. in uh, the regular in, uh, junior senior high school and also the neighborhood youth corps program. So uh, I was I was frustrated I'd gone through this education. I decided I'd go further. And it turns out that I was really fortunate I got into this brand new program. It was the, actually the, originally the College of Home Economics, and they upgraded it to make it the College of Human Development, and oh. I was interested in child development. And they had a program called Child Development and Family Relations. Uh, at that time, there was no other program in the, or programs in the country that focused on family counseling in any kind of way. Interesting. Or focused on the family as a whole. It was usually more individually focused. But because I was interested in children's development, I, took, I, I went to this school. And at that time, people who influenced me greatly became my, my doctoral uh, uh, supervisors. And, and uh, I've kind of continued that. I have continued uh, their work uh, up until this present day because of how much it fit my own values. And I, uh, later on, maybe we, we can talk about that. So I went to uh, Penn State. It was at uh, the College of Human Development at Penn State. And that's where I began to take classes, not only in child development, but also in family sociology. And that might have been, in retrospect, probably one of the earliest family counseling programs, not designated as such. Sure. And I got my PhD in human development and family studies in 1971. Okay. So regardless of your path being a little different and you you went one direction and then came back to this area, is that typical in terms of needing to get master's, PhD to get to a level that you're at now? No, actually the field has evolved to the place where it's much more formalized. Okay. So uh, in order to identify yourself as a family counselor per se, um, there is a, um, a, a formal way in which, which you proceed, and, and that is, of course, you get into a program that identifies themselves as a family counseling program. Okay. There also is um, a, a related uh, organization, the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, and then some programs are offered uh, under uh, affiliation with that association. Um, and then there's also a, uh, an emphasis on family in the American Psychological Association, so that um, people uh, identify themselves as family psychologists, 
that's one of the credentials I have. Okay. In terms of when you're going through the schooling, uh, I mean, are there internships? Is there field work? Is there extra work that you're doing and able to get that experience or to prove yourself in any way? Oh, certainly. I, I know in any uh, credentialed area, you've got to go through certain hoops, you might say, that are important. Certainly, um, it's important to understand that although graduate programs, usually master's programs, are organized, um, uh, can be organized differently from one school to another, they right. do have to follow certain kinds of guidelines. And, of course, they have to take courses in certain areas that pertain to the field and also to counseling in general. And then many of them have also kind of um, uh, supervised experiences, internships or or just opportunities to work in the community sure. under supervision while they're in school. And then once they get their master's degree, there's a whole period of uh, time, depending upon the state, which will require uh, a number of uh, hours of, of working and supervision, which can probably take at least a year past the master's degree. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's important for our listeners to hear that and understand what they would be getting into. And as you mentioned, it's going to vary depending on where you're going. Uh, but I think it is important to at least touch on that subject as well. Taking it past the education portion and looking into possibly getting into the field. Of course, you know, someone can look to open their own practice. Um, but if you're if you're looking to get into an actual position somewhere with an organization, what is that process like? Are there, are there specific areas you can go to to get some help, uh, you know, are, are there certain organizations that might be able to to aid in some way? What would be your advice in terms of the actual job search for individuals? Uh, well, this is before they uh, study, or this is after they've gotten their masters, or yeah, I would say after everything is completed, you've done everything you can education wise, and, and you're truly ready to to go full force into the into the work. If you're in a family counseling program, you got your degree from uh, someone that's uh, offering that kind of credential. Number one, you've probably worked in a number of settings in the community, so you always uh, you've probably developed contacts uh, that know you and uh, might even know your work. Right. Uh, furthermore, um, your graduate school uh, provides uh, ways for you to develop your vita, gives you ideas and opportunities to think about where to work and and how to approach work. So there's a lot of resource in your own uh, graduate program that uh, you turn to. Uh, and they and they have programs where where your vita can be sent out directly from the university. Okay. So uh, I think the university uh, counseling program you go to can be a really good resource. But I think ultimately, when we're talking about uh, working one's way in a field, it's no different than the other field. The answer is networking. Really, whom you know, oftentimes it makes a difference uh, between whether you get the job or you don't get the job, mm -hmm. or even if you know the job's available. And to your point, if you're working with these individuals, they, they already see firsthand what you're doing. You don't have to sell them necessarily on it. So it does sound like that would be the, the best way to go about it is just doing your work and, and making those connections, as you said. Sure. And then those people who do know you or who know of you or have experience with you, they then may know of an opportunity for you and they can kind of be a bridge to a good opportunity. And I think that... Um, a good way to start, I mean, when you're, when you're talking is, you know, well, once you get a bachelor's degree, you can actually work in a community mental health center. Mm. Okay. And have opportunities there to kind of get some sense of, of what it's like to counsel people and work in that kind of setting. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you demonstrate your interest in working with, with families, uh, very likely that uh, they would 
um, help you find work to do along those lines before you even go to graduate school, which might help you in your decision-making about school. Right. I do want to move along into the uh, profession itself and then some of the other specific, uh, you know, you mentioned your values and maybe some of, some of the skills and personalities. Um, before we jump into that, though, I, I one last question about the sort of landing a job, so to speak. If you do end up in an interview process where you are speaking with an employer and, and trying to, um, you know, fill a position, is there anything a job seeker would specifically need to know that would relate to this field, anything that would be assessed on, or is it pretty typical um, what you would think of a, a job interview? Well, I think that you probably wouldn't have the interview unless you had conveyed that you have the background for it in some way or another. Sure. So uh, that's why they're interested in you. So the next part, I think, is giving some sense of your understanding of the field and the work and uh, and also uh, developing kind of a collaborative relationship with the interviewer so that you get a sense of what the interviewer would like to know about you that might help them hire you for the job. That's always really important. Um, but I think if you're you're passionate about doing this work, I think that'll come through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important part of uh, that interview. Oh, that's a, definitely a fair point. It's something like this, especially um, some of the issues you might be working with and the individuals. And of course, you're focused on relationships. Let's get into the profession a bit um, in terms of the process of when you're working with someone, how does that work? How often are you meeting? How long does this go on? And I understand it can vary, but is there some sort of general layout, general plan that you end up following a lot of times? Well, let me be general first and then specific to myself. I think that when people um, come, they're coming because they think you'll be able to help them with something. Mm -hmm. So the first part and the most important part of uh, that process is the the quality of the relationship between the counselor and the client. And so the first uh, part is to be able to engage with clients in a way so you develop a context of safety and confidence in the client's and a sense of understanding on your part in the client's uh, motivations for coming in. Sure. So that's kind of a basic counseling perspective. I think it's also um, important to have a sense of, of uh, your values uh, and, uh, and uh, how you might approach your work, um, and it's good to help clients know about that. Um, and then I think, uh, in my case, uh, it's 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 quite particular. I have strong values about the importance of relationships and the value of close relationships in terms of the quality of life and also um, one's confidence in oneself as well. So in my case, I don't do any individual counseling anymore. Okay. I only do relationship counseling. So I'm working with two or more people at a time uh, uh, when they come in. And in my case, I have a particular uh, focus on communication in their relationships particularly communication around uh, their emotional uh, interaction with each other and helping to improve their ability to uh, regulate their emotions uh, in their day-to-day activities. I also like to give uh, clients a, a, a sense that um, we have some uh, objectives and goals and set some kind of time period to try to achieve those goals and then assess where we are and then renegotiate our relationship. So mm-hmm. I tend to be practical that way, but uh, mostly it's really around the quality of the relationship between the uh, the therapist, uh, the counselor, and clients. In terms of when you're working with individuals, and I, I say that I understand you're working with more than one person at a time. Yes. Are there key differences if you're speaking with or trying to work with a child versus an adult? Are there things that overlap or do you really have to 
go on to sort of a different level to, to work with children versus adults? Oh, well, children uh, are wonderful to work with. And one of the important parts of uh, children is that they're playful. And that play is really a big part of their uh, learning experience and life experience. And so play is probably a big part of the work you do oh, Okay. Um, with, with children because that's the way in which, first of all, they, they're much more comfortable <laughs> and also that they can express themselves and gives you an avenue to provide um, understanding of them, acknowledging of that, and helping them to feel confident in their relationship with you. Now, in my case, I do a special thing called filial therapy in which I train parents to do uh, child-centered play therapy at home with their own children. And these are half-an-hour weekly sessions they do with their children with the, with the idea that this helps children develop more self-confidence, more independence, and, as well as more security in the parent-child relationship. And also helps parents best be much more sensitive, empathic, and accurate to their children's experience. And that improves the quality of the parent-child relationship significantly. So that's how I might do it. But I work with children a lot. And when, when with children, play and play is fun. And a lot emerges out of play. Play is a very important part of human development. And uh, I'm a big emphasis that we need play in our adult lives as well. <laughs> well, I think people would appreciate hearing that. That's for sure. You mentioned earlier a little bit about, you know, empathy and, you know, non-judgmental attitudes, really, when you have people coming in. What would you point to as being those essential skills or personalities, uh, whether it be elaborating on what you had already talked about or any other areas that you'd like to touch on that would be, as I said, really vital to succeed in a career, uh, especially with family counseling? Well, I think the hardest part is not taking on the problem of the client as your problem. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And, and so, and so, and the and the skill lies in really being empathic and understanding and compassionate to the difficulties uh, that people might be expressing and 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 experiencing, without making that step in which then you begin to take uh, responsibility for their problem. Hmm. That always undermines the work. Would you say that's, I mean, that's the most challenging part of your profession, or would you point to something else that is really often a, a difficult area, maybe not necessarily for yourself, but what you've experienced with other professionals in the business? No, I, I, I'm really uh, talking about myself as well, uh, that, you know, this is something that evolves as you practice over time. When I first became a counselor, I often would, because of my own insecurities, et cetera, uh, have to do something to fix this because I was anxious and insecure about what the client was going through. Hmm. And that caused me to then take responsibility for the client's problem. And that never works because the only person that can really uh, help the client's problem directly themselves is the client. And so, and so over time, I began to be able to make that differentiation between the client's problem and understanding the client with compassion and empathy without making it as something that my own feelings come into play so much. Right. And that really helps be uh, more effective in your work. Is there a certain strategy or way you would do that? Because I, I, that was one question I was going to ask is, doesn't it get tough at times emotionally if you see people struggling and you have that, that human element that where it would affect you? So how do you how do you separate that? How, what strategies would you offer up for anyone who might be already in the field or maybe they're really thinking about getting into it? Well, I, what I'm going to say may be difficult to understand, so help me out. <laughs> um, 
because <laughs> uh, uh, it's clear to me uh, what you do. Most of us make the mistake of paying attention to the problem than understanding the motivation behind the problem, which is always the emotion. Mm. So the first thing is, is I stay with the emotion. I follow the emotions and don't get distracted by the problem or solving the problem itself. Okay. And then when I provide clear acknowledgement, accurate acknowledgement of the child, of the child, because I work with children a lot, of, of, the, of, of people's emotions, oftentimes part of the difficulty is they're not recognizing their own emotions well enough. Hmm. But when you acknowledge emotions, there's a certain internal bodily recognition of the accuracy of that, and there's a whole uh, reduction of uh, emotional arousal just being understood in that way. So as a counselor, when I can just pay attention to the feelings and follow the feelings and understand the feelings and acknowledge them with acceptance and non-judgment, there tends to be a significant reduction of emotional arousal, and the client is now in a more collaborative stance to work with me. Sure. When you're anxious, you're uh, you're aroused. You 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 have an arousal level, and and uh, it it sometimes can get so much that it overwhelms you. Right. When um, your feelings are understood, the emotions are understood and accepted without judgment, and when I don't find myself overwhelmed by the client's emotions, and I'm able to do that, the, the, it tends to undermine the, the, the anxiousness and helps the person regulate their emotions better. Actually, that's actually a big part of counseling is just that, you know, as a counselor understands people, and understands the emotions that are motivating um, what what concerns them or why they've come in, they begin to feel more assured and begin to start to take responsibility for their own feelings better. And that under those conditions, they cope better. I think, you know, as best as any of us can understand who aren't in the profession, having experiences, I think uh, I think you're doing a, a great job of trying to explain that and express it. And it, it does seem like that would be the most important and also the most challenging aspect just because of those emotions that are involved, as you've mentioned a few times. Unfortunately, we are getting a little low on time, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity here as sort of we like to call a wrap up or a takeaway for our listeners. Sure. If they are interested in this profession, if they thought about it for whatever reason, maybe they're thinking about getting into counseling of any kind, really, what final piece of advice would you give them or what would you want to express to them uh, before we leave today? Well, I, I think it's important if this is something you're really interested in, that's essentially the primary motivation. If you have passion for this work or you have a passionate interest in this work and want to learn more about it, I think it's staying with your passion and trying to learn all you can about the profession so that you can be sure that this is really what you want. What has been the primary motivating factor for me is my my passion not only about the work with people and their relationships, but the values that pertain to that. And to me, that has really kept me in the field and continues to keep me in the field. Uh, I'm very excited about it as well. 
Well, Dr. Ginsburg, I do appreciate that uh, wrap up for us there as we will close out this edition of I Want to Be a Family Counselor. Again, we've been speaking with Dr. Barry Ginsburg, the director of the Center of Relationship Enhancement, as well as Ginsburg Associates, a child and family clinical practice. Uh, Dr. Ginsburg, thanks again for sharing your knowledge and experience with all of us. Oh, sure. And also, if you don't mind, Tim, uh, my website is relationshipenhancement.com in case people want to follow up. That'll be alongside the podcast as well online if uh, people want to connect with you and find out more about your work. Of course, if uh, you, the listeners, do have any other comments or questions regarding any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.